Jesus' name, thank you that, that each one of us in the room and joining us at church at home, we are partners together today. We release our faith right now. We're not spectators. We're just not going to sit back and, and only watch without extending our faith and making a demand on your will and on your plan. And so we believe together as partners, we just thank you that we're, what we're about to hear, Father God, will not just be inspiration, it will not be just inspiring, but it will be transforming in Jesus' name. We thank you for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that opens our hearts and reveals uh, what's inside of our hearts today. We thank you by the Spirit of God that, that this message, these words will fall on good ground that'll produce great fruit for your honor and for your glory. And we'll all be so careful to give you all the honor, all the glory and praise because you are the only one that's worthy of it all. And all of God's people said... A big amen. Amen. God bless you today. Welcome today. This is part two in our series, Dream Again. Dream Again. And we're so excited about this series because I know that there are many that, that have let go of their dreams. I know that because of the many challenges and difficulties in 2020, many good people have become discouraged and have let go of their dreams. We know it's very difficult to go through a season where you have multiple disappointments one after another, and it's very hard to dream the dream that God put on the inside of you. You become disillusioned. You become overwhelmed, and let's be honest, 2020 was that a dream killer. It was one of those years with overwhelming setbacks and letdowns, but many of us get stuck in life because we dreamed or we believed God. And we didn't see the results that we longed for. We went after a goal. We went after a desire. We went after a dream only to come up empty. So right here in the beginning of the year, I want to help you. I want to help you. And I want to encourage you to help you understand it's time to pick your dreams back up again. Amen. It's time to pick them up again. Last week, we talked about the power of hope. And today, I want to talk about Trusting in God. Trusting in God. Years ago, uh, my wife and I, while we were vacationing in Maui, Hawaii, how many have ever vacationed in Maui, Hawaii? It's paradise, not yet. That's a good, I like that. Um, it's awesome. It truly is paradise. And we were our, our first time to Maui, and we decided to take a day trip and to do one of those trips that were, was very recommended, a big tourist attraction, and that was the road to Hana. The road to Hana. We heard about this road to Hana. We heard that it's beautiful, breathtaking views, uh, mountain, mountain views, waterfalls, black sand beaches, rainforest, um, on and on. It was just a beautiful day. Sounds like a perfect day trip and a picnic, doesn't it? Well, it was a pleasant drive until we started to get into the mountains. Hana is over about 60 miles away on these narrow, twisty roads, 620 curves. Here's a picture of one of them. 620 curves. Yeah, hairpin turns, I might add. 620, you already know where I'm going. 100 to 300 foot cliffs, rainforest. Most of the 59 bridges are single lane. And sections of the road are without guardrails. And if you're prone to motion sickness like Verna is, 
it turns into a very long day. And that's why it's also known as the, the divorce highway, because it caused quite a few arguments among some couples. Jonathan, slow down. I'm not going too fast. Jonathan, slow down. Oh, my stomach. You know, you can understand. Yeah, okay. Um, one wrong move on this road or going around the wrong curve too fast could absolutely be deadly. Signs are everywhere along the road to help navigate the hours of twists and turns it takes to get there. At least three to four hours without any stops. If you stop, take pictures, have a picnic, throw up, um, whatever, whatever you have to do. Um, it is a, it's a long trip when you can't come back in the dark. Um, it's just too dangerous. And so it's one of those trips. But when I thought about that experience, you know, I couldn't help but think about life. It's full of twists and turns uncertainties and difficult seasons to navigate with many wonderful memories all along the way. What they had on the road to Hana, God has on the road to our life. Signposts designed to help us navigate all the challenges of life. In all honesty, as we enter 2021, I see far too many cars on the side of the road with their hoods up not able to move forward. As we travel along the road, I see too many cars that have driven off the road, if you will, crashed and on fire, representing broken hearts and broken dreams. These are good people. These are committed people. These are people that love God and serve others. So what in the world is going on? Let's get right to our big takeaway today. It's in a form of a question. And here's the question. Are you a believer who believes in a God you no longer trust? I want that to sink in. It's a really thought-provoking question. Maybe one you've never, ever thought about. Are you a believer who believes in a God you no longer trust? Of course, most of us, have, most of us uh, you know, today watching and listening to this message, of course we believe in the existence of God. And as believers, we affirm the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And yet there seems to be this giant disconnect. And a disconnect from our faith in Christ to get us to heaven and our trust in God to navigate us on earth. We have very little little lack of trust or confidence that, that once you know you're born again and a child of God, man, you're on your way to heaven. But there seems to be a disconnect with so many Christians I talk to. And more than ever, the disconnect is I, I, I believe I'm on my way to heaven, but I, I just don't have the confidence that God is truly helping me navigate my life here on earth. The disconnect resents many people, if not most people, on some level, they're just having a very difficult time trusting God. So how do we do this? Let's discover how your dreams and your trust in God are inseparable. I need you to see this today. I need you to understand this today. We talked about hope last week, and hope and dreams are inseparable. Well, also your trust in God and your dreams are are inseparable. We need to understand this. We need to get this today so I can help you be one of those believers who truly trust God. 
Proverbs 3, 5 is a great place to start. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we're going to dissect these two verses today. We're going we're to glean from some rich truth in these two verses today that I believe will help you tremendously. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Wow, what a great verse of scripture. These two verses um, are, are life-changing, and we learned three life-changing truths about how we trust God so we can confidently dream again. Are you ready? Number one, trust in God entirely. Trust in God entirely. The word trust means to lay down on putting one's complete weight on something or someone, to lay down on, putting one's complete weight on something or someone. It's very similar to what you're doing right now, sitting on those chairs. All of your weight is resting upon the ability of that chair you are sitting on to hold you up. Trusting in that chair to hold you up means nothing if that chair didn't have the ability to do what it was designed to do. So you assume something, and you assume today that that chair would hold you up. You didn't think twice about it. You didn't look at that chair before the ushers seated you today. I wonder if that's going to hold me up today. I wonder if that's going to collapse in the middle of the service. I'm going to be so embarrassed today as I'm falling my behind, and there I am in my glory on the floor. None of you thought about that today. didn't cross your mind. How do I know that? I know that not because of what you told me. I know that because I can see all your weight is on that chair. In fact, you are so secure about that chair's ability to sustain your weight, you're not helping that chair out at all. I don't see anybody with their legs kind of tense and lifting your, you know, your behind up a little bit, you know, just in case, uh, in case this chair doesn't work and you sit through the, uh, the service wondering, will this chair hold me up? So you hold yourself up so you can say, I need to make sure there's a little bit of me is sitting in this chair today. So you don't have that kind of thought. It never crossed your mind until I brought it up today. Listen, God knows how to hold us up. Come on. He knows how to hold us up. He's capable of letting, he's not capable, he's incapable, if you will, of not ever letting us down. He can be trusted. Amen. Amen. Such good news today. Say he can be trusted. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Listen to the order of this verse. Trust in what? The Lord, the Lord. The reason why the order is critical, because when it comes to navigating our lives, most of us start with ourselves and work back to God. Isn't that true? If you were honest, you would say a big amen or oh me, one of the two, because that is so true. In other words, we start with what we think. We start with our perception. We start with what makes sense to me. We start with what I've reasoned, what I came up with. We start with our thoughts. And when it doesn't work, we say to ourselves, oh, maybe it might be time to try God. It's come to that, Martha. 
there would be a lot less pain in life if we would just start with God in the first place and not with ourselves. The proof that we don't trust God, even though we declare we believe in Him, is that we turn to other sources first to address life's problems. So what you trust is where you go first. What you trust is where you go first. Where do you go first? Where do you go first when your life is in shambles? Where do you go first when life seems to be slipping away? Where do you go first when you're disappointed or hurt or you're in a situation where you're overwhelmed by life and overwhelmed by the situations you're going through? Where do you go first? That says a lot about you. It says a lot about who you are. It says a lot about your, your ability to trust him. Where do you go first? You can always discover what you trust because you consistently go there first. If you want to answer the question, do I trust the Lord, answer a second question first, where do I go first? Where do I go first? Why should you trust the Lord? What a great question. Why should you trust the Lord first? First and foremost, why should you trust the Lord? Well, there are so many scriptures we can turn to. Uh, the first one I'm thinking of is in Romans 11:33, where the Apostle Paul talks about the nature of God's wisdom. It says this in Romans 11:33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Who has known the mind of the Lord and who can, who became his counselor or who has first given him that it would be paid back to him for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. That's a powerful verse. That's one of those deep verses. I appreciate it because why would you want to trust God first? Because his wisdom is beyond your ability to conceive it. His wisdom is way beyond your wisdom. Why wouldn't you trust him? His ways, his understanding, his thoughts. I can go down verses after verses I'm thinking about here in my heart. And, and absolutely his wisdom, his depth of understanding about your life as a master orchestrator doesn't compare to our finite mind, to his infinite wisdom. Amen. Why should you trust the Lord? I love Psalm 112, verse 7. It says, they have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Amen. Let me tell you something. When, the people, when people trust in the Lord, they don't freak out when bad news happens. Amen. Right? They're not freaking out. They're not, they're not going to their favorite drug. They're not eating a gallon of ice cream and, and their favorite uh, you know, uh, stuffed animal under the sheets. Right? They're not freaking out. So when bad news comes, it doesn't cause your heart to panic or freak out. Why? It's steadfast. It's confident because what? You trust in the Lord. One last one. Why should you trust the Lord? Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, and His loving kindness is everlasting, and His faithfulness to all generations. 
I'm so grateful that God was not just faithful to my grandparents. I'm just faithful God wasn't just faithful to my mom and dad. I'm grateful that God is not just faithful to me and Verna, but God is also faithful to my son and my daughter and their spouses and their children, my grandchildren and great-grandchildren and generation after generation. He can be trusted because he's good. He can be trusted because he's faithful. He can be trusted because of his loving kindness. He can be trusted because even though he can burn you like a fried crispy critter, he doesn't because he loves you and he's faithful and he's good and his mercy endures forever. That's why you can trust the Lord. Again, verse five says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, another way of saying it, trust him completely and entirely. Your heart represents your inner core being, the real you. Amen. I don't necessarily see the real you. Oh, I see someone that I recognize. I see somebody handsome and beautiful. I see someone, you know, who's classy and awesome, no doubt. But I don't see the real you. The real you is inside your heart, your inner core being. The heart refers to your emotions, your will, your intellect. You are to trust God completely and entirely in every aspect of your life. In your knowledge, your intellect, your decision-making, your will. In your feelings, your emotions, right? In every part of you, that's all of you. At the heart of who you are, at the depth of the inside of your core being, you are to trust God with everything that's within you. Now, how do I know if, if I'm trusting in the Lord? Well, verse 5 says here, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, right? Human understanding alone will always fall short. Why? Because of sin, because our knowledge and experience always seems to uh, run crosswise with God's knowledge and experience. Philippians 3.3 says, put no confidence in the flesh. What does that mean? Put no confidence in your human effort and ability. Paul's saying, don't fully rely upon your human capacity to make the right choices. How many of you have ever made a choice and you would take it to the bank? You'd bet your mortgage on the fact that that was a good decision. And how many know it turned out to be not so good? Ever been there? I can't do that because I'd fall over, right? We all have been there. You know that that was a great decision. You'd swear up and down that was an awesome decision. But here, here's what we do. Because we're believers, we know there is a certain things we must do. It kind of comes with the believer's job description, right? We know we're supposed to read our Bibles. We know we're supposed to pray. We know we're supposed to go to church. We know we're supposed to be kind to each other. We know we're supposed to clean up our language, right? We know certain things. But then there's the other side of us that's the real world. The real world. And in the real world, you got to be practical. And in the real world, you got to use your common sense. Wouldn't that be nice if we saw more of that? Come on, Pastor, it's 2020. We can't get too spiritual about this. Amen. After all, we need to keep it real. Ever hear that? Ever say that? Hmm. What we do is we mix the two. A little bit of the Christian job description 
and a little bit of the real world. You know, Pastor, I mean, after all, we got to balance it all out. Got to live a balanced life. The Bible has a term for that. It's called double-minded. And when you mix the sacred and the secular, when you want the secular to help out the sacred, you're thinking with two minds. James 1, 5 through 8 tells us, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask the Lord, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. He's not going to make fun of you. He's not going to point fingers. Ha! You don't know how to do that. No, he's going to do it generously. Verse 6, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Wow. God wants to generously give you wisdom. Now, if you know the context of this, if you understand the original context and, and, the, and, the, and the Greek language, you know that the wisdom that it speaks of here is specific wisdom. You're going through something specific, and you want wisdom in, in line with that specific thing, that specific trial, that specific thing you're praying about, that child, that husband, that wife, that, that business. You're specifically praying for something. It's not just general wisdom. Thank God we can have general wisdom. It's actually getting sharp shooting and not just shotgun blast of wisdom, but you're being a sharpshooter and you're saying, I need specific wisdom because I'm going through this right now. And he says he promises, there's a promise here that he'll give it to you generously. Generously give you wisdom, guidance, direction, strategy. God gives us wisdom, but then somebody else comes along with a different idea, and, and your mind then now goes back and forth. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm ready to do this God's way or this other way. And oh, I'm so confused. I'm double-minded. I'm, I'm going to pray, but now, you know, I don't know. Every time I prayed before, nothing really happened. Well, I'm going to tithe, but, you know, I really can't afford to tithe. Well, you know, I'm going I'm to read God's word, and God's word will guide me. But, you know, that, that horoscope worked pretty good the other day. I'm not suggesting that we can't glean from the world's insight on any particular given subject, but we must filter it through God's word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. We have to be led by the Holy Ghost. Amen. What happens when we live our lives double-minded? We become one of those believers who cancels out Sunday every Monday. We cancel out Sunday, meaning we cancel out what you got, what you learned in the light. And as soon as you got in the dark, you forgot what you learned in the light. We're here in the presence of God. We're here being moved by God. God speaks to us. God talks to us. God instructs us. We ask for forgiveness. We say, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Yeah, I'm going to make an adjustment on that. I'm going to fix that. Thank you for reminding me of that. Thank you for helping me with that. Yeah, that was good. I need to write that down. I need to go back and study that some more. And we, we leave Sunday, man, pumped up and ready to go. But when you're double-minded and you're confused and you're unstable in all your ways, here comes Monday and it's all gone. Where'd it go what you learned in the light? That's what happens when you're double-minded. Oh, I can sure camp out on that for a while. So in order to confidently dream again, number one, we trust in God entirely. Number two, we trust in God intimately. 
We trust in God intimately. Proverbs 3, 6 in the beginning says, In all your ways acknowledge Him. The word acknowledge does not mean a quaint recognition. Like when I walk into the room and you might say, Good morning, Pastor, and, and you acknowledge me. That's not what's being talked about here. The word acknowledgement means an intimate response based on knowledge and relationship whereby pleasing that person becomes your goal. An intimate response based on knowledge and relationship where pleasing that person becomes your goal. When a man and woman get married and who have been single a long time, both are used to making their own decisions, running their own lives, being their own independent persons. Now they get married and they have to make an adjustment, don't they? Oh my. They have to make an adjustment when it comes to making decisions. Their decisions are no longer just about themselves, right? They both must acknowledge that there is someone else in their relationship and there is now someone in my life that I must consult, right? How many times have you been invited out to dinner by another couple and you say to that couple, well, that sounds like a great idea, but let me get back to you. I have to first what? Consult with my wife or my husband and we'll get back to you. That's acknowledgement, right? You don't just make a decision without her or without him. Why? Because it's based on knowledge and relationship. It's based on knowing your wife or knowing your husband. It's based on a relationship that, that you've invested in. And because you know that person, sometimes you can make a decision based on that knowledge and relationship. Other times you should check and say, well, I, need to, I acknowledge what I know about them by experience, but I also maybe at times need to go back and ask and say, what do you think about this? A good idea? What, what's the schedule like? And, and we always go back to Verna because she holds the master calendar, Right? <laughs> She holds the master calendar, and I know better than to make an appointment or something without making sure I check with the master calendar. So how broad is this acknowledgement? I mean, how far does this go? Verse 6 says what? Verse 6, go back to verse 6, says, and he, he, in all your ways, no, in all your ways acknowledge him and Wait a minute. It says, in, so here it is, right? I'm sorry. In what? Say this. In what? All your ways. How broad is that acknowledgement? In all your ways. In everywhere. In everything. See, God wants to be involved in the intimate details of your life. So in all your ways, you acknowledge him. In all your ways, based on a relationship, based on intimacy, based on knowing him, based on understanding him, what happens? You make inquiry in all your ways. Not some of your ways. In all of your ways. He wants to be involved in them. How does a couple acknowledge each other? Through clear and often communication. How does a follower of Christ acknowledge the Lord? Through clear and often communication through word and prayer. Amen. See, there's, I'm amazed by how many people go through difficult seasons of their life and they don't acknowledge God. They don't acknowledge his word. They don't acknowledge prayer. They don't acknowledge, they don't take the time to read God's word or stand on a promise or release their faith on something or pray together in, in, in agreement with something. Hey man, how often the knowledge of who he is 
and how he develops grows in you as you yield to word and prayer. Another subject that we'll get into more later on in the year. But I've always been amazed by how many people just do it on their own. They're winging it every single day. And it gets wearisome. In all your ways, consult him. So in order to accomplish dream again, number one, trust in God entirely. Trust in God intimately. And last but not least, trust in God patiently. Trust in God patiently. Verse 6 says again, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Oh, I love this. Notice who does this. Notice who makes your path straight. Say it with me. What is it? He? He will. He will. That's the beautiful thing about it, meaning you won't have to. He will. Say he will. It doesn't get any better than that. When you acknowledge him, when you trust him, when you put your full weight on him, when you acknowledge him in every bit of your core being, every bit of who you are, your will, your intellect, your emotions, you put your trust in him and you develop a loving relationship, you acknowledge him, and through knowledge and, and through intimacy, through relationship, the Bible says that in all your ways, when you acknowledge him, he will. My goodness, I could stop and preach right there. He will. How many times have we, we will? I will. I've got to figure this out. I've got to do this. Me, 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 me. And we spend all of our time on I and me and we and trying our best to solve all this ourselves. When all along, he's waiting because he will. He wants to. He wants to come through for you. Anybody here crooked? So many of us could answer yes. Oh, please. My life is crooked. My thoughts are crooked. My dreams are crooked. My finances are crooked. My family's crooked. My relationships are crooked. My future's crooked. Right, we go down the list of how many things are absolutely crooked, out of order, not working as God designed them to be. He says he will make your paths what? Straight. Why do we have to keep living crooked? Why are you getting so used to living in a crooked environment? Living in, a, in a, an environment where there's just no direction, there's no guidance, it's bumping along in the dark, and it, it's painful, and it hurts, and it's overwhelming. Amen. The path means God has a plan. God has a destination. God has a dream. God has a direction. A path is always connected to a destination. Amen. Aren't you glad? That path means that he will, he'll lead you down that path. There's a destination for you. There's a way to get out of this. There's a way to get to that place, get to that promise, see the fulfillment of what God has, see the restoration and the blessing God has in store for you. God wants to straighten out your life if you'll trust him entirely, if you'll trust him intimately, and if you'll trust him patiently, meaning step by step, progressively, steady, a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow. You never give up on one season. You never let one season define you. You don't let 2020 define you. And in fact, let me tell you something. The fact that you made it through 2020 is a tremendous victory. We're talking about how bad 2020 was, but you survived. You're in 2021. You made it, right? You made it. And if God can get you through 2020, let me tell you something. He can get you through anything. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. 
Here's a picture of what it means to make your path straight. Look it up. It means travel being made safe by leveling a road and removing the obstacles in order the traveler to reach their destination. Wow. He wants to make your paths straight. He wants to make it a safe, level road, removing whatever obstacles are in your life in order for you to reach your destiny. You may feel like it every time I go after my dream, every time I, 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 plan, I, I go after God's plan for my life, I, I'm getting, I'm, I got uh, people stopping me. I've got circumstances stopping me. I've got money stopping me. I've got insecurities stopping me. When you Put your trust in him, he will. And whatever obstacles are in the way, God knows how to masterfully work those out for your good. Instead of trying to straighten out your life yourself, God wants you to trust him, but you got to get to the end of yourself. You got to finally say, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. God knows how to get you where you're going. He, God wants you to start trusting him so you can start dreaming again. You can't dream God's dream without hope. You can't dream God's dream without trust. Amen. We can't, we don't have the time to figure all this out to bring our dreams into the reality. God wants to know, are you just going to believe in me and not trust me? Or are you going to believe in me and put your trust in me again? Let me close with a quick story about a particular season in my life where I had to learn to dream again, where I had to learn to trust again. Early in the formation years of IFC, we were a young church. Man, we were just in our formative years, baby church. And I was just a young rookie pastor trying to figure this out. I was just trying to learn how to lead and how to be a pastor. We were went through a very devastating season. We had several key people in our church die prematurely. We had a baby die. We had a teenager that died in a tragic accident. These events and others created this leadership crisis in my life. And only that, you know, I, I felt so responsible. I felt it's obvious that I'm not being a very good shepherd here. All this pain going on on my watch. I began to doubt my ability to pray and cover our congregation. It's obvious I'm not doing a very good job covering everybody. It's obvious I'm not doing a very good job protecting our family, what a shepherd's supposed to do for the sheep. And so I started doubting my ability in praying. It seemed like everybody I pray for is either dying or going back to the hospital. I felt like, man, this is, this is, this is not God. This is not good. And I felt extremely responsible and it stirred up every insecurity in my life that I was working hard to overcome. On top of that, my trust in God and his word was at an all-time low. So I was a perfect example of, of believing in God and having a very hard time trusting in him at the same time. How many know that's not a good place for a pastor to be in? No. But one day... At a very low point, loaded with condemnation, loaded with doubt and insecurities, overwhelmed by my inability, I cried out to God. And it seems that in that moment of time, the sweet presence of the Lord came on me. And I heard this in my heart. Jonathan, 
I love you too much to hurt you. And I'm too wise to make a mistake with your life. How many thousands of times have you heard me say that? That has been my go-to trust statement for decades. Nothing changed at first, but I began to declare it. Father, I thank you that you love me too much to hurt me. Father, I believe you're too wise to make a mistake with my life. I said it again. I declared it again. And you know what? I got a little freer. My hope began to rise up again. I began to realize I needed to press in and, and learn about prayer and learn about leading and learn about the devil and learn about his attacks against the church and learn about how he would love to, 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 to kill us all at the very start of International Family Church. What a best time. It's easy to pull out a little oak sapling than to pull out an oak tree that's been around 100 years. And I knew how defining this moment was. I said it again. I said it again. Father, thank you that you love me too much to hurt me. Father, thank you. I believe, I believe that you're too wise to make a mistake with my life. The more I said it, the freer I became. The more I said it, praise God, the, the, the more I believed it. The more I said it, the more I began to trust again. See, God loves you too much to hurt you. Amen. And he's too wise to make a mistake with your life. Oh, it wasn't God, all these devastating things that happened. It was his statement to me in the midst of my crises of trust, in the midst of my crises and my insecurities. And I knew that if I was going to do any, any sort of good work for God, that, that my, my dream and my trust had to be one of the same. I had to trust him to believe in him. I had to trust him that his plan was good for me. I had to trust him that he was faithful. I had to trust him that he had my best intention in mind. I had to trust him that I could get through this season and we could be strong and we could be healed and we could be whole and we could be we can go and be all that God wants us to be and I would encourage you to make this statement over yourself and you need to believe it you need to say God thank you that you love me too much to hurt me and you're too wise to make a mistake with my life I promise you it's the ultimate trust statement and the more you say it I, I, I don't know if there's a week that goes by that I don't say this several times it's now second nature to me. It's now rises up in me. And I've given that counsel to who knows how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people over the years about that statement. What was our big takeaway? Are you a believer who believes in a God you no longer trust? I pray you'll be honest today. I pray that you'll give that question a lot of thought. And if you come up wanting, like I did, you'd say, Lord, I, I don't want to be that kind of believer. I don't want to just believe in a God that I can't trust. I want you to be a trusting believer. I want you to be a trusting believer, a believer that has high hopes, a believer that has faith in God, a believer that you put your trust in Him every single day, even in the darkest moments, even in the weakest moments. You are turning yourself, your soul, your will, your intellect, your feelings over to God again and again and again and again. You can imagine 39 years pastoring this church, how many times we've had to put our trust back in God again? How many times we had to stir hope back up again? How many times have we had to walk by faith and not by sight all over again? Let me tell you something, it pays off. This is not an easy fix. It's not something that happens once and you go your own way again into the real world. You know, Pastor, we all have a brain. We wonder sometimes. 
You want that brain renewed by the Word of God. Yeah, you have a brain. Yeah, God wants to use that brain, but not separate from God's Word and not separate from the truth and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Come on, we combine the two. We're, man, we're, we're amazingly strong and capable when we put our trust in God. I love this statement. I trust the next chapter because I know the author. Bernie gave me that this morning. I trust, how's it go? I haven't memorized yet. I trust in the next chapter because I know the author. Isn't that good news today? I might not know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds it. (laughs) I know who holds it. And if you're in that trust crisis right now, I pray this word comes alive in you. And I pray that you'll turn your heart back over to God and you'll begin to declare, Lord, I put my trust back in you again. Restore my trust. Because you can't dream again unless you trust him again. And you can't dream again unless you put your hope in him again. And it's time for all of us here in the room and you joining us online today to be trusting believers all over again. In Jesus' name. Did you learn something today? Come on, stand to your feet with me.